0: Hello, and welcome to episode 497 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. As always, joined by Evan Silva. We are entering a six-team-on-a-bye week 14. No idea why. Strikes me as quite silly, but anyways, Evan, how's it going? Yeah, six teams on a bye. And then after that, we've got no buys left for the rest of the season. Yeah.
1: So... um, I'm ready, though. You know, we're coming off a a heavily injured week. I mean, there were a ton of injuries in week 13.
0: Yep. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And, yeah, some really impactful ones, too. We'll get to them all on these next couple of shows. On today's show, we're going to be going team by team through each NFC squad, discussing what we saw in week 13 and what it means going forward. On the next episode, we'll be doing it for the AFC. Before we get into it, remember, this podcast is indeed brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Two things. First, Battle Royale snake drafts every week. We have rankings for those that come out on Wednesday nights. Second, they just launched their playoff best ball. Playoff best ball is so interesting. It's not just about picking players. You got to think about what teams are going to be in it, what teams are going to go the furthest and play the most games. And so there's all kinds of things. It's really, really deep to think about. We do have rankings up and strategy articles up for that playoff best ball right now on establishmentrun.com. If you have not tried underdog fantasy yet, promo code ETR will get you $100 sign up to pose it up to $100 sign-up bonus. That's promo code ETR at underdogfantasy.com. All right, let's start with the Arizona Cardinals here, Evan. They were on a buy. They will come out of their buy to play a home game against the Patriots. Just two quick things here. First, I'm not sure you saw the Patrick Peterson uh, versus Kyler Murray spat, but Patrick Peterson said something along the lines of, you know, Kyler – only cares about Kyler or something like that. You know, more nonsense, off the field talking crap about Kyler. Anyways, more interestingly, I think, is that Marquise Brown played a ton of slot in that game before the bye. If that continues, I am going to be very, very interested in Marquise Brown, but we do need to watch the health on Greg Dorch and Rondell Moore, assuming one of those guys is back. One of them, I think, will be the slot. Anything for you, Evan, as the Cardinals come out of their bye?
1: That's, I think, the most important thing is going to be the health of Rondell Moore I would suspect that, and, uh, you know, Marquise Brown played a ton in the slot. He played a lot in the slot in Baltimore as well. He's not really your typical slot receiver. He's more of a vertical, uh, you know, receiver than that. But I think that when everybody's healthy, and I sort of expect Rondell Moore to be back, I think that Rondell Moore will go back in the slot. Dortch will be, like, their number four slash number five. And um, it'll be uh, uh, Hopkins and Hollywood on the perimeter.
0: Yeah. And, th- and that's a pretty nice yeah. receiving core, man, you know. And so I don't think they're going to execute, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be explosive just because the scheme is so bad. But, you know, I, I think it's on paper very nice.
1: And I would like to reiterate that with these big workloads, ma- massive workloads that James Conner has been getting, I would stash Keontae Ingram, especially in deeper leagues, because we know James Conner's
0: history of getting nicked and injured. I mean – James Conner and Damien and uh, Ramondre Stevenson, when Damien Harris are out, two of the best workloads in the entire league. It's really crazy how much work those guys are getting. Let's go to the Atlanta Falcons. I, I mean, you can't really see it because the box score and, and their offense, it's just like they don't want to throw the ball at all. But I'm pretty sure Drake London is a baller, man. He's up to 1.72 yards per route run now. He's also 18th among 103 qualifying wide receivers in Pro Football Focus's grades. He's earned a 27 percent target share. It is what it is, I think, at this point with the Falcons. We saw Drake London pop off for a nice game here, but it's really hard to trust going forward on a team that doesn't even want to throw the football at all. What do you see out of the Falcons game in week 13? Yeah, I mean, the Falcons, they they aired it out.
1: Um, They had eight attempts of 20 plus yards for Marcus Mariota. He only hit on one of them. So, I mean... You know they don't have, and I think that now they're going into their bye. Like it would not surprise me if they come out of their bye, at least considering inserting Desmond Ritter. Mm. Um, they have also lost six one-score games this year. They're five and eight. Um, and six of their losses are by one score. Uh, just just something to note. I, but I I think that there is a chance after the bye that they that they at least give some consideration to go, going Desmond Ritter.
0: Yeah, to me, those that one-score game stat is an indictment of the coaches. In other words, they'd rather lose by less than actually try to win. A lot of times when you go for the win, you're going to end up losing by more, right? That, I mean, that happens all the time. But I feel like you should be going for the win more than the Falcons have really been going for it. But yeah, that would be really interesting to see Desmond Ritter out of the bye. would love to just see someone else get in there and see if they can make anything happen in the pass game. Uh, Carolina was on their bye. They'll play at Seattle This week, as they come out of the buy, they did release Baker Mayfield. I don't think it's surprising news at all. He reportedly asked for his release. They granted it. He's on waivers now. I've heard rumors about the Rams, whatever. It's going to be Sam Darnold starting and PJ Walker as the backup the rest of the way for these Carolina Panthers. Obviously, the story before the buy was Sam Darnold unlocking DJ Moore's sizable talents. Anything else for you on Carolina here? Nothing really to add to that. Go to the. Chicago Bears. So I know we debated a lot, the Justin Fields stuff, and it was a really hard projection to make on Justin Fields, man. you know We went back and forth on, hey, are they going to limit his his designed runs? Are they going to just let him go nuts? It was the game before the bye. My take at the end on Sunday was like, why limit him if it's the game before the bye? If you're going to put him out there, you got to put him out there. Now, he had an insane run, another insane long touchdown run, but only three designed runs in this game. And maybe that had something a little bit to do with game flow. I mean, they were leading for much of this game until The fourth quarter, but still only three design runs for fields here in the five games before his shoulder injury designed runs were 11, 10, 7, 5, 12. So what do you think of fields in this game? Anything else on the bears as they head into their bye? Well, he looks like Michael Vick out there. I mean, as a runner and he's still a work in progress
1: as a passer And their their pass catcher core. I mean, you know, we kind of debated who's the number one receiver for the bears right now. And I mean, I guess it's Chase, Chase Claypool. Um, but they don't really have any good receivers, you know, um, St. Brown is, did you see that Jair Alexander after the game called him a scrub (laughs) and then he had to like, apologize for that. (laughs) Um, you know, I, this team is just doesn't have very much talent. You know, Uh, they are, they have a ton of cap space in the off season. They've got a ton of draft picks coming up. I actually like the way the trajectory of the bears, so far under Ryan Poles. I mean, they. I think they know that Justin Fields is their guy and they're kind of set up for the future. I mean, I I, I kind of like and, – and they're losing games, so their draft picks are going to be better. Um, So I, I kind of like how this season has played out for the Bears uh, from a real-life standpoint.
0: I mean, I know it's hindsight, but we said at the time that the Broncos passing on Justin Fields to take a court was, I mean, egregious. I mean, that's going to, like, ruin the franchise forever because then they go – you know, with the Russell Wilson stuff. And obviously that's a disaster we'll talk about on the AFC pod. One thing I'll say about weapons and Justin Fields. So a lot of people have questions about Tua. Tua now gets Waddle and Tyree Kill, and he's a freaking monster. Jalen Hurts was shaky as a pass catcher. He goes out, they get him AJ Brown, and now Devontae Smith takes the leap forward. Now he's, you know, a beast. We see it with Jimmy Garoppolo all the time. He's not that good, but he can play well with the right weapons. I think getting Justin Fields' weapons will be important and make a big difference. And I think Justin Fields has it in him to be a good thrower. The Chase Claypool stuff, man. I mean, 4.3 yard A dot for Chase Claypool in this game. I don't think that the NFL has found the right role for Chase Claypool yet. Like, I don't know what it is. He, he's not really a great deep threat, but I also feel like he's not best used at a four yard A dot. So I don't know, man. I'm a little worried about Chase Claypool uh, for sure. Um, Dallas. Sunday night game was just an absolute bloodbath. I mean, they absolutely wrecked the Colts, especially late with their defense. Tony Pollard, I mean, I'm tired of talking about it. The dude is just incredible. 12-91-2 rushing. Zeke also gets there with 17-77-1. Both guys obviously can get there in these game flows where they absolutely smash and win the game 54-19. What do you think of Dallas on Sunday night?
1: Yeah, I mean, Pollard is just a baller. And Zeke looks good. I mean, Zeke is playing well. Um, So they're going to continue to use both of those guys. C.D. Lamb has been hyper-consistent. This wasn't one of his monster games. Gallup showed up for a couple of touchdowns. Um, but C.D. Lamb has been really one of the mo- most solid second-round fantasy picks this year.
0: Yeah, very consistent from C.D. Lamb. And, and the usage in this team is getting very predictable, right? Like, there's not a lot of variance in how they use mm-hmm. their players whatsoever. We know what they're going to do every week, which I think is is a good thing, at least, when trying to project players' range. Detroit, Evan, finally. (laughs) Uh, It's so rare that I actually feel happiness these days. DeAndre Swift getting back to the top of this backfield actually brings me joy. DeAndre Swift, 39 snaps, 22 routes, 20 opportunities. That was ahead of Justin Jackson, 16 snaps, 10 routes, six opportunities. Jamal Williams, of course, played his usual goal line and kind of base back role. But man, finally, Evan, finally they get Swift back out there. The question going forward is, is this a one game thing or mm-hmm. is this going to be sticky? I think they're still going to play all three, which is infuriating. Every time Justin mm-hmm. Jackson gets a snap, it makes me sick. But if this is going to be sticky, we can start playing DeAndre Swift comfortably again. Do you think it'll be sticky? And what do you think of all this Swift stuff? Um, I don't know.
1: I, I feel like it's a time will tell thing, you know, um, I just, I love this offensive effort from the Lions. I mean, the Lions are really, really explosive on offense. And it's not a scrub Jaguars defense. You know, they dropped 40, 140 to 14. Um, They've got a lot of, Jamison Williams made his debut. He was targeted once, zero catches. But I mean, once they get him ramped up, like they've got a lot of firepower. Uh, And I think we might, I mean, this is their fifth win, right? Yep. Yep. They're up to five and seven. Like we are lions. We might be, we might be getting this win total over
0: baby. Yeah. We need over six and a half. I, I could use some over seven and a half too. That would be a miracle. And I could use them to make the playoffs too, which isn't dead, but uh, not looking great, but they've been playing better, man. And I know like everybody likes to rag on their defense. I thought the defense played well against the bills Yeah, and I thought the defense played well against the Jaguars. So I'm not saying they're good. But I don't think they're nearly as bad as they were at the beginning of the season. No. They figured some things out. So
1: yeah, I mean they're like, and this was against a surging Jaguars offense came into this game. Trevor Lawrence had played really well in three straight games, and they they kind of shut him down.
0: A couple more things here. First, uh uh just tracking Evans bet. So Amon Ross St. Brown got tackled to the one yard line for like literally like I don't even know how many times this season. Every time it makes me mm-hmm. more furious than the previous time. But now Jamal Williams got another one yard touchdown. He now has 14 on the season, two clear of Nick Chubb, four clear of Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs. So, certainly live here heading to the last five oh, weeks. Oh, baby, let's get this. Let's get this one oh, time. Yeah, let's get it. I'm rooting for you, even though it's tilting me that Iman Rock can't get in there. Uh, <laughs> and to Andre Swift, keeps getting tackled at the one. But, anyways, uh, Jameson Williams made his debut here. Um, college football fans and prospect people, of course, very familiar with Jameson Williams, one of the best prospects, if not the best wide receiver prospect in this class blew out his knee in, I believe it was a national championship game last year. They got him back out there, eased him in with just eight snaps and Mm -hmm. two routes in this game. I think going forward, he's likeliest to take from Khalif Raymond. I still like DJ Chark, man. DJ Chark played well here. DJ Chark leads the entire NFL in average depth of target, and he's getting five to six targets per game. That's going to be a valuable role, right? It's going to be really volatile and really boom bust when you're getting the ball 15, 20 yards down the field every time and getting it five, six chances a game. That, that's pretty valuable so yeah I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on the Jamison stuff or anything else
1: no I just I think it's worth noting that when Josh Reynolds came back from his back injury they eased him in super slightly when DJ Chark came back from his injury he played like 11 snaps in that initial game back um and so the, you know that's what they've been doing with guys coming off injuries I think it's going to be more slowly but surely with Jamison Williams as they ramp him up but um yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be an exciting addition uh, to, to their offense, no doubt. I mean, th- this dude was a, a vertical
0: game breaker in college. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable starting Jamison until I see him really get ramped up in snaps. I know people are going to have that question. Hey, should I pick up Jamison and start him? I think it's a little early for that for me yet, but uh, I do like holding him and seeing what can happen there. Let's go to Green Bay. I mean, Christian Watson, I, and I like Christian Watson, man. You know, uh, He's super athletic. I, I get it. He's going full-blown Debo Samuel on the touchdown rate, though. 2021 Debo Samuel, that is obviously not 2022 because what Debo Samuel did in 21 was completely unsustainable. Christian Watson now has seven touchdowns, seven on 25 catches, and he has two more touchdowns on five carries, nine touchdowns on 30 touches this season for Christian Watson. Obviously, that's unsustainable, but guys who can do this Mm -hmm. at an outlier level are like freak, freak, freak athletes. Clearly, that's what Christian Watson is. Any thoughts on him? Anything else on the Packers here? I, just, I continue to think that he reminds me a lot of um, Martavis Bryant at this mm-hmm.
1: point. You know, we were talking about him as like a, a comparison of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I, I feel confident saying that he's better than that. Uh, he was the 34th overall pick in the draft. You know, God, he had, what was at the first play of scrimmage, from scrimmage of, of the regular season. Aaron Rodgers hit him for a 75 yard touchdown and it just glanced off his hands and you know it, it was it, it took a while for him to kind of climb out of that doghouse but man he's well out of that doghouse
0: and, and he's balling uh i am watching the aaron jones injury it didn't look like it was severe but he left the game for a little with what they were calling a shin issue i think he got back in for a little bit but that was why you saw the big aj Dillon game in the box score there obviously anytime aaron jones sits i mean aj Dillon's is an absolute smash so i don't Think that Aaron Jones is going to sit, but uh, certainly watching it. Let's go. Oh, they have a bye next. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. not even, doesn't even matter for this week's sleep. Rams, uh, it, honestly, this Rams game I thought was like a 99th percentile performance for them given their talent right now. Like they actually played the best they can possibly play in this game. Even with John Walford going 14 of 26 for 178 yards, no touchdowns and two interceptions, he was, I mean, I'm not saying that he, he can do much better, but he was throwing to Tutu Atwell, Van Jefferson, Brandon Powell. I mean, this is like the stone cold worst team. I have no interest. I know Cam Akers scored two touchdowns here. I have no interest in playing Cam Akers. Any thoughts on the Rams?
1: Um, yeah, even after this two touchdown score, two touchdown effort, I, I, I can't really get behind Cam Akers either. Um, I mean, the week before that, Kieran Williams looked like he was taking over the backfield. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to continue to be a committee on a very low-scoring team. We are recording this at 2:20 Eastern time on Tuesday. The rumor is that the the Rams are going to claim Baker Mayfield off yeah. of waivers. Uh, I don't think it matters like at all. I mean, Baker Mayfield would not be set up for success in any kind of way in this situation. Uh, but I guess something to note for yeah. a deep two two quarterback superflex
0: um let's go to minnesota by the way uh minnesota this week i believe they're 10 and 2 or something like that they're a underdog to our lions so um shows you what you what the market thinks right now of the vikings and the lions anyways a little frustrating because i did play dalvin in dfs and he was only like five percent and i thought that was really good and then alexander madison he didn't play a lot alexander madison only played 17 snaps dalvin got 51 But Madison did get in there and get a red zone carry and scored, which was frustrating because I feel like that should have been Dalvin's, but that's just all in the game a little bit there. Anything for you on the Vikings whose player usage, again, has become really, really predictable?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we kind of know what we're getting pretty much every week um, from, from this Vikings offense is the Jets have a really good defense, you know. And so Kirk Cousins didn't have a big game. Justin Jefferson is so good that he still gets there. Uh, seven for 40, only 45, but he, he gets in the box too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just he's a matchup-proof player at this point.
0: For New Orleans, this was probably the most shocking usage of the week. Alvin Kamara not only ceded a ton of work to Mark Ingram. I mean, Kamara was only up 34, 25 in snaps. Kamara was only up 15, 12 in opportunities. But the most shocking part to me of it was Mark Ingram was out there in passing situations. Like of all the times to not use Alvin Kamara, they're like running screens and swing passes on third down to Mark Ingram. I don't know what's going on here. We might have to put out the bat signal to Underhill. There's no way a 33-year-old Mark Ingram should be taking this much Mm -hmm. from Alvin Kamara. So I don't know what Kamara did. I get he hasn't been playing well. He didn't have a good game here either. But there's he no lo- way he
1: lost two fumbles in the previous game. Okay, lost two fumbles. Yeah. That's fine. There's no way Mark Ingram gives you a better he chance. Hasn't, to win. Well, I mean, I know I, I, we agree on that, but I mean, he like has not been having a good season. Yeah, I feel like they're punishing him. I, I'll definitely hit up uh, Underhill about it and we'll have more on Friday. But uh, Alvin Kamara's not having I've been starting to wonder, like, is this, is this going to be Alvin Kamara's final season as a saint? Mm. Um, you know, he's also got that, that court case. Uh, coming up after the season so i don't know not not positive vibes with him right now
0: yeah really really frustrating by the way they do have a buy coming up this week so it's not pertinent to this week's uh slate but yeah i was just like really really frustrated and shocked by that um oh rashid shaheed i with the bye coming up i don't think i would use a pickup here on this guy but he does flash man i mean i don't mm-hmm. i'm no hand in the tape hand in the dirt guy but Shaheed looks really fast out there. Yeah, he is fast. Yeah. What do you think about adding him? But the problem is they have their buys, so it's tough. Yeah,
1: I know. I know. Um, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe put him at the end of your bench if you're in a, in a deeper bench league. Uh, but I, I still, I don't. I think it's gonna be tough to trust him down the stretch when we got access to everybody. There's no buys left. Yep. You know, he. I think he's probably just still like a wide receiver four.
0: Yep. Giants. They tied this game against the Washington. Football team, another solid but not spectacular game for our boy Danny Dimes. He's now on pace for 739 rushing yards. By the way, that would be the 14th most rushing yards ever by a quarterback in a season prior to this year would be that 739 for Daniel Jones. Continues to put up numbers without horrible weapons. Good sign for Saquon Barkley, who I think looked better this, in this game in a very difficult matchup. What do you see out of the Giants here? Yeah, I mean, that pretty much sums it up. You know, um,
1: they're they're starting Isaiah Hodgins at this point. He went five for 44 and a touchdown. Opposite Darius Slayton, Slayton went six for 90. Um, But I mean, we kind of know what to expect, I think, at this point from the Giants offense
0: on a weekly basis. Let's go to the Eagles. Um, So much talk about the A.J. Brown revenge narrative. And by the way, I don't know if you saw John Robinson, Titans GM, got fired this morning. It's like. He trade away AJ Brown. He dunks on you on Sunday, and then you get fired. I mean, uh, you know, he had four years left on his contract, and he's going to keep getting paid from the reports. So can't feel too bad for him. But uh, yeah, AJ Brown just real- got an extension before the season, right? And, and yeah. so AJ Brown really gave it to John Robinson. Here, really good game for AJ. Jalen Hurts as a thrower was awesome, awesome, awesome in this game. I mean, Hurts' improvement as a thrower is so crazy. Third in the NFL this year in completion percentage. He was 26 mm-hmm. last year. Second in yards per attempt. He was 15th in that category last year. Third in passer rating. He was 22nd last year. Fourth in PFF grades among all quarterbacks. He was 20th last year. So awesome, awesome year for Jalen Hurts. The 40-1 MVP stuff is even more live now after the Chiefs lost. A game, But anyways, what you see out of the Eagles, really, really, really good performance for them against the Titans.
1: Yeah. Awesome game as a passer, you know, and he still continues to face questions on a weekly basis, really, from, you know, kind of people out there uh, talking about, you know, he's like a running back or, you know, he's, you know, is, is, is he really like a big time pocket passer? I mean, he just continues to improve. Again, I, I will never forget watching him as a freshman, Jalen Hurts at Alabama, watching OJ Howard. And, like, the only way they could get the ball to O.J. Howard was, like, on shovel passes from Jalen Hurts. And they didn't trust Jalen Hurts to play. He winds up losing his position, essentially, to Tua. Um, He transfers. And, I mean, the trajectory for him as a passer has just been a steady upward Mm -hmm. ascent. And um, it's it's pretty cool. I, I wanted to reiterate, and I think that it was Dink that was first on this, that the actual beneficiary of no Dallas Goddard, who should be coming back, Fairly, i think he might be coming back in week 15 yeah um yeah hopefully yeah uh but the primary beneficiary of him uh being out is actually has been quez watkins who saw five catches here six targets did not make any big plays but we know that he's got that in his bag devonta smith is balling yep. and he's getting eight targets a game on a regular basis at this point and um you know, I I think he's he's probably he's an every week wide and I know he's been up and down this year. You know, they they have been a run heavy offense for the majority of the season. He's the the number two, but I, I think you can I think you can lock him as lock him in as a wide receiver three at this point.
0: Oh yeah. I've been playing Devontae season long all year. It's been great. I have a ton of Devontae in season and best ball. Love that. I, I did notice Quez Watkins beard to bang up his shoulder a little bit late in that game. So we'll be watching that this week. Obviously, Quez Watkins is not someone a lot of people are gonna be reporting on. So We will be checking the injury reports there on Quez. Speaking of injury reports, feel for San Francisco a little bit here. I thought San Francisco had a really good chance to go uh, to the Super Bowl this year with the way they were playing. Now they lose Jimmy Garoppolo to a broken foot. He's going to be done for the season. Brock Purdy. I believe they're calling him Big Cock Brock in San Francisco. But anyways, Brock Purdy, I thought came in, came in cold Mm -hmm. and played a really good game, man. I mean, and I get that when you're in the Shanahan scheme and you have all these weapons around you, you can play well. But I, for coming in cold, no practice, I thought you played really well. What do you think about Brock Purdy? Can you tell the people anything about him? And what do you think about how he'll fare going forward, how it relates to all these other guys?
1: Yeah, I think he was a four-year starter at Iowa State. He's actually a pretty good athlete. Um, he ran like 4'8", and he rushed for 19 career rushing TDs in college. So he can move a little bit. You know, Nick Mullins... Mike White. It's true, especially when you have a lot of talent around you, as the 49ers do. um, You can, you know, and and you're just an offensive executor. You can have success, at least on a limited basis, as a passer in this style of offense. It's very, very uh, quarterback friendly. Um, So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say about Brock Purdy, but I mean, it definitely sounds like he's going to be the starter for the rest of the season. I mean, I think that they actually named him that. I don't think Trey Lance is coming back.
0: No, no. Certainly think it'll be pretty the rest of the way. And by the way, you know, with no Eli Mitchell and with no Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, it's time to lean on Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And they did that in this game. Christian McCaffrey, 69 snaps in this game, 35 routes, 27 opportunities. I was a little bit skeptical they, they would expand his role here just because Eli Mitchell was out. I thought they could get Jordan Mason or TDP in there but they didn't. I mean, they just went for it with CMC. And if he has this role, he is going to absolutely, absolutely go nuts. George Kittle, by the way, we're going to have to, they, DraftKings really slashed his price. It's going to be a big topic conversation on Friday. will be George Kittle here. He only passed block three times per PFF here. You know, one of the things about these, how often they pass block um, stats are, is like, if you chip before you go out into your route, I feel like you're not really a huge part of the route. Right. And so like, I don't know. The tape bros are telling me that Kittle chips a lot before he goes down into routes. I don't know. We'll have to think about that before yeah. Friday's
1: show. Daigle had a thing. He took the under on this game, this 49ers, uh, dolphins game. I was like all over the over, mm-hmm. um, at least until Friday when I got real spooked by all the offensive line injuries. Yeah. But, um, You know, and then Daigle, he told me that I just got lucky on the over. And then I reminded him that we got the over with Brock Purdy in there, bro. (laughs) And so I had to
0: tell him that it's it's time to capitulate. He (laughs) refused, so. Seattle. Uh, So one of the worst injuries, I talked about a bunch on the solo pod, but one of the worst injuries for me all year, certainly from a financial perspective, was Kenneth Walker going down. And actually, Kenneth Walker was going to score a touchdown on the play he got hurt on. But one of the linebackers or safeties on San Francisco just, like, shot the gap and forced Kenneth Walker to kind of change his line. And on that, he kind of rolled his ankle. It's a weird injury. They're calling it a a strain or a jam on the inside of his ankle slash foot. Consider him questionable Mm -hmm. for now, but I mean, Homer was out. DJ Dallas was banged up. Kenneth Walker had to leave. No problem, man. Gino, 39 attempts, 20 targets for Lockett and DK Metcalf. And when Gino is playing like this, it's actually a good strategy. They come back and win the game. What'd you see out of Seattle's narrow win over the Rams
1: yeah Gino my goodness man I mean what do you think about the Seahawks as a Super Bowl long shot
0: yeah I mean yeah. Yeah. uh if the the Eagles and the Cowboys uh, I think and even the 49ers with purdy maybe but are clearly ahead of uh, Seattle I think but yeah I don't I didn't see prices but it's at least possible yeah um we need to figure out if Kenneth
1: Walker is going to miss time. I don't know. What's your feeling on that? What's your sense right now?
0: I, I think if I had to guess right now, he would miss time because certainly he couldn't get back into the game yeah. last week. So. Yeah. Um, we need to figure out who the next dude is going to be. I mean, is it going to be DJ Dallas?
1: They gave Tony Jones work. And Tony Jones stinks, by the
0: way. Yeah. DJ. I think it would have been more DJ Dallas, but he right. was banged up in the game also.
1: Yeah. And Travis Homer was out for this game. Yeah. So that's going to be something that we'll, we'll have to figure out.
0: For sure. And honestly, I think that they can take a really pass heavy approach going forward, man. I mean, they've already done it. Their, their password over expectation is like fifth or sixth highest in the league. And it can go, it can go higher with the way Gino's playing. Yeah. And I mean, if their top two
1: backs are going to be DJ Dallas and and Travis Homer, assuming that they are healthy enough to play, uh,
0: then, I mean, their main back is going to be like a passing down back. Right. Tampa. Uh, So we debated a lot the Leonard Fournette versus Rashad White split. What should it be? My take was it should be around 50-50, but I thought that um, if it wasn't, like I thought White would be the one who could get to 55 or 60 more likely than Lenny. That turned out to be wrong. Lenny led 48-33 in snaps. Lenny led 32-21 in routes, but they had the exact same number of opportunities. Each had 17. Rashad White also had a bad fumble. But then they get him back in the game. They actually called for him. I think they looked to me like they called for him to get back in the game on that last play, and he ends up scoring the game-winning touchdowns. So really good signs there on Rashad White, what you see out of the Bucks last night. Yeah,
1: I would expect a, a relatively even split going forward. Um, I thought Lenny looked pretty good mm-hmm. in the game, um, but I, I think that Rashad White brings a little bit more to their offense. I just They're going to continue to rotate him. Um, God, I just Mike Evans It's just like,
0: what is going on? He's killing me right now. And Marshawn Lattimore did not play in this game, yeah. so I mean, it should have been, in theory, a good spot. It, I think Tom Brady is not bad, but is significantly worse than where he was. I mean, yeah. it's Chris Godwin thing. Every every route that they complete to Chris Godwin is like take three steps, mm-hmm. sit down between three guys, catch the ball, and just get crushed. Like it's so bad. I mean, he's down to six point one A dot. It's Chris Godwin. That's the seventh lowest among all nfl wide receivers we're talking like debo rondale renfro Dorch type stuff for chris godwin's role so yeah no bueno man um no bueno i mean they easily could have scored three points in that game they just happened to get hot late saying screwed up a couple times pass interference call and by the way mike evans would have scored on that uh where he was interfered with in the fourth quarter so something to be said there for mike evans last one we're gonna do here today is the washington football team um they tied the giants 41 attempts for Taylor Heineke. This is not the way the Washington football team wants to play. I thought he was okay, but he did take five sacks, only 6.6 yards per attempt, but that's not the way that they're going to win games by relying on Taylor Heineke. They did end up tying, though, what you see out of the football team.
1: Yeah, and McLaurin really took advantage of that big spike in pass attempts. Um, Eight for 105 and a touchdown, 12 targets. His problem before that had been Heineke was just not getting a lot of attempts. I, I don't think that this is something that you can count on going forward. But you know, again, McCorn is the the clear alpha uh, in this pass catching offense. Um, Antonio Gibson played through his stress fracture, but was severely out carried by Brian Robinson. I, I don't. I haven't seen the participation numbers yeah. in terms of
0: snaps yet. It was pretty close. I mean, yeah. it, Gibson still had played thirty plus snaps. So yeah, they didn't really limit it, but for sure that the carry gap was wide in this game. Yeah, and on the McLaurin stuff, I mean, he's going to see 25 to 30% of Heineke's targets every game. Obviously, that's not great when Heineke throws 20. When Heineke throws 41, it's a smash, so um yeah. All right. That is going to do it for this NFC team by team podcast. We'll be back later tonight for the AFC team by team podcast. 4. Evan 4. Bruce and Luke. I'm Adam. Good luck everybody.